Well, I sure wish that I could have heard you singing that with us. His faithfulness. Hopefully even now you recognize how faithful he has been. We are not in ideal situations. We are not in ideal scenarios, but God is faithful. In just a second, we are going to return to Mark. We're going to hear from God's word. But first, I want to pray for and with you. Thanking God for his faithfulness. Thanking him for his care for us. Bringing some of our requests to him and then asking him to help us as we hear from his word. So I hope you'll settle in where you are and that you'll join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God of faithfulness, that you're a God of steadfast love, that you're a God of new mercies. We wake up again to another sunrise. We recognize again your faithfulness, how your mercies are new every morning. You are our rock You are our steadfast foundation. And we're reminded again of our frailty, of our vulnerability. We need you. We need your provision. Most of all, we need Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you that we can be forgiven of our sins. And God, we ask you that you would continue to make us a people with repentant hearts. Maybe some of us have come into this week and we have not been faithful to you. We have not done all the things that we should have done. We have left undone things that we should have done. And God, I pray that you would use our time together this morning to give us hearts of repentance, to open our eyes to our need for you. Would you humble us? Would you forgive us of our pride? Would you show us mercy? God, we come to you this morning, bringing our requests to you, asking you to make us the kind of people that you would have us to be, We've talked over the last few weeks of what it looks like to have non-hypocritical love, to love one another and to love our world appropriately, to love our world well. God, would you make us this kind of people? God, we come to you this morning acknowledging that this week we have felt the, the closeness of COVID. We have felt the closeness of the virus. And we pray for those whom we know and who we love who have been impacted and who are even now are struggling against this illness. We pray for healing. And God, we ask that you would restore them quickly, that their their healing would be complete. And God, for, for those of us who are healthy, we pray for continued safety. God, we pray that you would give us wisdom to figure out the best way to move forward, to go through this unprecedented event. God, we pray for your safety. 
pray for your care. God, we pray for those among us who have gone without jobs during this period. We, God, we pray that you would provide, that you would, that you would open the doors that are needed. And we pray for us as parents as we continue to parent through this situation. God, we have decisions to make as we go through the summer and head into the school year. So God, we pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to best shepherd our families, to shepherd our kids. And we pray for the hearts of our children. Not just now, but in general. God, we pray that you would draw them to you. Even now, as maybe they're in their homes and hearing the songs and the prayers and the scripture readings through a computer or a television. God, we pray that you would draw them to yourself. God, we thank you for how you've provided for us this week. And we ask for your provision in the week to come. Would you give us each day our daily bread? We also ask that you would guard us from temptation. Would you keep us from evil? Would you give us a sincere desire to honor you in all things? Would you make us eternity-minded? May we live each day in view of you and of what you called us to. God, we thank you for your church and how I wish we were gathered together today, not fighting with technology, not going through all this, but God, I pray that you would strengthen us as we gather. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the chance to turn to it now. And I pray that you would use it to equip us, to strengthen us. Would you correct us where we need correcting? Would you train us in righteousness? Would you make us a people pleasing to you? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have your Bible. If not, I encourage you to grab it. After a bit of a break, this morning we are going to be returning to our study of the Gospel of Mark. We will be in Mark chapter 4. But first I want to ask you to open your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to begin in the Gospel of John. John 1 is a chapter that many, if not most of you, are very familiar with. And I want to start here because I think John chapter 1 lays a good foundation for the passage of Scripture we're going to consider in Mark chapter 4. See, both in John 1 and in our passage in Mark 4, they're, they're both about the revealing of Jesus to the world. They both acknowledge that for a time, Jesus was not seen. He was hidden, and now he's being revealed. They both use this imagery of, of light and darkness, that Jesus is the light that's coming into a dark world. Both John 1 and our passage in Mark 4 encourage us to see Jesus for who he really is. To believe, to hear. It's the revealing of Jesus. And the question that we're going to be pushed to consider in Mark 4 this morning is 
How will we respond to Jesus? Will we be a people who hear Jesus? Will we respond in obedience and faith? Or will we ignore what's being shown to us of Christ? With that in mind, I'm going to start by reading for us from John 1. John 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And this is significant. This is what we're going to see in, in Mark. Light coming into the world. Jesus revealing himself. The question is, will we see him? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What a significant portion of Scripture. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible because it's so rich in telling us who Jesus is, where he was, and that he's come to us. He is revealed and that all who believe in him will be saved. But what this passage acknowledges is that not everyone will see him. Not all will believe. The last time we were in the Gospel of Mark, we were in chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. You can go ahead and turn there to Mark chapter 4. The last week we were in this was about a month ago. It was the last week we were fully online. We considered together the parable of the sower and the four soils. You may remember we called it a parable of ears and of hearing. It's a parable about how people respond to Jesus. In the parable, Jesus describes four kinds of soils, and they represent four kinds of hearers. See, as the message of Jesus goes into the world and people hear Jesus, they respond in different ways. Some hear and never respond. They're like the seed that falls on the path and the birds, Jesus says in the parable, the birds come and they take the seed away. So there are those who hear Jesus and yet do not hear. There are others who for a time show signs of faith, but they don't remain. They, they fall away. 
They wither. They're like those on the shallow or the rocky ground. Still, there are others who hear and show signs of faith, but they become distracted by other things and leave the faith. They're like those in the soil that's full of thorns that choke out the seed. So we see these responses. So many that are hearing and yet not believing or believing for a short time and then falling away. But then there's the good soil. Those who hear and believe and bear fruit. Jesus says in Mark 4, those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear and accept and bear fruit. Those who hear and accept and bear fruit. So we see these four responses to Jesus, but really, there's only two responses, aren't there? He gives us these different categories, but really there's those who hear and believe, and there's those who don't truly hear and never truly believe. And you'll remember the exhortation that followed all the way through that parable. This was the exhortation of Jesus. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's this acknowledgement of Jesus that he has come, he has revealed himself, he's teaching, but not all will hear, not all will believe, but he's appealing. If you have ears to hear, if you have ears, then hear. Hear in faith. So that was the central part of the previous section. And we're going to see this morning is that our passage this morning is connected to that. And the appeal of Jesus continues. These passages go together. And the theme of hearing runs throughout. What Jesus is doing, what Mark's doing as he, as he puts these two teachings back to back, is he's calling on us. Don't miss Jesus. See him. Hear him. Do not miss him. But what we know is that even as Jesus lived on the earth, lived and ministered in person, there were many who missed him. As we've gone through the last couple of chapters, we've seen huge crowds coming to Jesus. But what we've also seen is that so many of them came, but they didn't have faith. They came for a variety of reasons. Some came for physical healing. Others came because Jesus could cast out demons. Some come because of all the buzz that's around Jesus. And as Jesus addresses the crowds, he uses this parable. He tells them of the four soils, and he calls on them to be true hearers. These crowds, these, remember John 4, or Mark 4, he's addressing this huge crowd, and he's acknowledging them. He's telling them, many of you will not be hearers. And the reason I'm going through all that, I know it's review. But I'm going through all of that because the passage that we're considering this morning that follows directly after that parable is carrying this same appeal. Many will hear and never believe. As we come to the section, we have another parable. This time, not about seeds and soil, but a parable about a lamp. It's different imagery. 
But once again, it's all about the revelation of Jesus. And it's a call for us to see him rightly and to respond to him. The parable tells us that Jesus has come to shine his light. He has come to be seen. He has come revealing what was once hidden. And his appeal, once again, restated in this text. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The question is, how will we respond? And as we go to this text, I want to encourage you, in, in many respects, it is a call to salvation. And I know most, if not all of us gathered this morning, are those who have heard and have believed. But what we're going to see, especially in the second half, is this is a call to keep on hearing. Remember the soils. There are some who for a time heard and then fell away. So as we come to this text, we should hear this appeal of Christ. Keep hearing. Keep responding. Keep seeing Jesus rightly. So with that in mind, Mark chapter 4. We're only going to consider four verses this morning. You would think that would make this a short sermon. We will see. Video's hard, man. I can't see any smiles. I don't hear any laughter. No eyes are rolling that I can see. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It's our prayer that God would add it, his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word. As we come to the text, it's unique because we have a few different sayings of Jesus that we find in the other gospels, but we don't find them together. In the other gospels, they are used separately and some of them in different ways to make different points. But Jesus being an itinerant preacher, sometimes used similar things, similar imagery to convey different ideas. And what we see is Mark has brought all these sayings together of Christ. Jesus gave us this teaching in this context. And at the center of it is this appeal. Take heed to what you hear. If you've grabbed the notes, and I should have told you earlier, I emailed those to you. If you have the notes, the title of the message is, Take heed to what you hear. It says call to listen carefully, to hear and respond. We've already talked about the context of the previous section, the description of the four kinds of hearers. And now this appeal of Jesus continues. He wants people to see him rightly and to believe. And what he makes clear is this is why he came. He came to be seen. He came to be revealed. And that's what we see in the parable in verse 21. 
Look at it again. Verse 21. Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Now, clear, Jesus is using a parable and he's asking rhetorical questions about how to use lamps. Before we get to the spiritual and the, the metaphor, what he's saying, just, just think about the, the picture. Just picture a lamp. We know that during this time, this was the way that people lit their homes. And, and what you can picture is a, a small clay bowl filled with oil with a wick hanging out. These clay oil lamps were the primary way that they lit their homes. This was the way they would have light after dark. This was something that they all were familiar with. And Jesus asked the question, a, a basic question. How do you use a lamp? Do you, do you take a lamp and you put it under a basket? Well, of course not. To put under a lamp, a lamp under a basket defeats the purpose. How about under a bed? Well, I guess if you're looking for something, if you, if you drop something and roll it under the bed, maybe you'd stick your lamp under there to, to see what you lost, but of course that's not the point. The answer is no, we don't put a lamp under a basket. No, we don't put a lamp under the bed. Where do you put a lamp? If there's a room that's dark and you need light, where do you put the lamp? You put the lamp on the lampstand so it gives light to the whole room. We understand. They understood the proper use of a lamp. Jesus knew. The question had an obvious answer. But that's the point of a rhetorical question. He's emphasizing lamps are meant to be put on lampstands. Why? So that the light can be seen by all. The lamp must shine. But now here comes the question that we have to answer if we're going to understand the teaching of Jesus here. What is the lamp? Or who is the lamp? I've already acknowledged that Jesus uses the same imagery in different teaching opportunities in different ways. So we have to look at our context. What's he referring to here when he talks about the lamp that must shine? The translation we're reading from, the ESV says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? And that's a translation that reads well and makes sense. But consider this more literal translation. This is what the, the Greek says very literally. The lamp does not come in to be put under a basket. Do you hear the difference? Is a lamp brought in versus the lamp does not come in to be put under a basket. Now, my assumption is that the translators acknowledge that lamps don't come and go on their own. So to maintain the imagery, our translation says that a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket. But this is what Jesus said. The lamp has not come to be put under a basket. What does this mean? 
What we have here is Jesus referring to himself. Jesus is the lamp. And he says, I didn't come to be hidden. I didn't come to be put under a basket. I didn't come to be put under a bed. I am the light of the world, and I have come to shine my light into the world of darkness. It's one of the reasons we started back in John chapter 1. There was a time when Jesus was hidden. But he came into a dark world as the true light. And he has not come to be hidden. He has come to be seen. And this is really helpful, especially as we consider the conversation Jesus had just had with his disciples. The disadvantage of taking a three-week break between the last section and this section is we may have forgotten the context. I actually almost taught this passage with the previous one because of this really significant connection. Remember back in verses 10 through 12? The disciples of Christ were asking about his use of parables. Do you remember what Jesus said? He acknowledged that for many, the parables don't reveal Instead, they conceal. It's a hard truth. That for those who are looking through the eyes of faith, the parables are a gift, and they help us to see Jesus more clearly. But for those who don't have the eyes of faith, those who have not believed in Jesus, the parables have the opposite effect. It's to say that for those who have faith, parables help us see Jesus, but for those who oppose Jesus, the parables make them further deaf, further blind, and they serve to further harden them in the truth. That was what we considered in that previous section, a really hard thing to consider. There are those who are hearing, but because of their opposition, their hearts are growing harder and harder, blinder and blinder, deafer and deafer. Jesus acknowledged this, that for many, the parables conceal him which could bring up the question does this mean that Jesus does not want to be seen is Jesus suggesting that there's some whom he wants to keep in the dark I'm really glad that this passage helps us to, to understand the previous one does Jesus want to be seen after we've had this conversation about parables and revealing and concealing and those who may not hear does Jesus want to be seen well look at verse 21 again. The lamp does not come to be put under a basket. The lamp does not come to be put under the bed. The lamp has come to be seen, to shine. Jesus wants his light to be seen. John 1, verse 4. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In John chapter 8, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. What's so clear is that Jesus came in order to be seen. He came to reveal himself to the world. That's the point of the parable of the lamp. And then he goes on to express the same thing in verse 22 in, in a slightly different way. Here's the point he's making. I've come to be seen. I've come to be revealed. Verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. 
Such an important truth. Jesus and the gospel are not meant to be hidden. They are meant to be revealed. Let me say that again. It's one of those things. If you you don't hear much else, hear this. Jesus and the gospel are not meant to be hidden. They are meant to be revealed. The purpose of a lamp is to give light. The purpose of a lamp is to reveal what is hidden. Jesus is the lamp and he has come to be seen and to give light. Verse 22 says, what was hidden is meant to be revealed. What was secret is meant to come to light. We recognize that the object in view is Jesus and the gospel. Jesus was not meant to be hidden. But, but is it indicating here that for a time he was? That he was hidden? That he was for a time in secret? I think this is a reference to the progressive nature of the work of Christ and his revealing of the kingdom of God and of salvation. You can go back to John 1 again. There was a time when Jesus had not come. We know this, don't we? That for generations and generations, they looked forward to the coming of Christ. And there was a sense in which they did not fully understand what that meant. They knew salvation was coming. They knew the promises of God. But for a time, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the kingdom of God lay ahead. It was, to an extent, hidden. Think about the way Peter describes this. Maybe this verse has come to mind for you already. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Peter says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So he's talking about the prophets of the Old Testament. Concerning the salvation that we've now received, they, they searched and they inquired what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Think of Isaiah 53, those prophecies prophesying the suffering of Christ, and the prophets were trying to understand what exactly is he pointing us towards. There was a time when the kingdom was yet to be revealed. And even today, the kingdom is still yet to fully be revealed. At this point in Mark 4, Jesus and his work of salvation is a bit hidden still. Jesus speaks in parables, but not all understand. After his death and resurrection, the gospel will be seen more completely. And of course, we know a day is coming when every eye will see and every ear will hear and Jesus will be revealed and all will see clearly. But for a time, the light may be hidden. At different times and in different periods, the light is not fully seen. But this is part of God's purpose. This is not the way it's meant to be and not the way it should remain. That which is hidden is to be manifest. Jesus came to be revealed to the world, to accomplish salvation and to make his salvation and glory known. The light has come and we have seen it, and a day is coming when the light will be seen once and for all. Jesus is the lamp. This is the point of the parable. This is the point of verse 22. What was hidden is being revealed. What was in secret is now to be seen. Jesus has come as the lamp and as the light. What's interesting about this imagery, and honestly what made this in some respects a very hard week for me, is I wanted to say what the text said, but it was 
hard to understand because in other places, Jesus uses the same imagery in different ways. See, in this context, Jesus is talking about his revelation of himself. He is the lamp. He is the light. But in other contexts, he's clear that his followers are the ones who are to reveal him. He has come revealing himself, and then he uses similar imagery in other places to tell us of our call to make him known. Consider Matthew chapter 10. Jesus preparing his disciples to go out as witnesses on his behalf. He's warning them of the persecution that they will face. He says this. You'll you'll notice, you'll recognize the language here. Jesus says, have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. So you see this as allusion to the idea of hiddenness. And here we see the progression. There was a time when the truth of Jesus was more hidden. But that's not the way it was intended to say. That which is hidden will be made manifest. That which is secret will come to light. That which is spoken in the darkness is to be brought out into the light. And so Jesus came as the light, revealing himself, and then telling his disciples, what you've heard and seen in me, proclaim to all. Proclaim it on the housetops. This is our calling. Jesus desires to be revealed, and now we are called to reveal him. We see that in other teachings of Jesus. That's not actually in our context here. In the context of this passage, Jesus is emphasizing the reason he came. He is the lamp. He is the light. And this is the call to all who see the light. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus has come not to be hidden but to be revealed. And those who have seen Jesus or those who have read of him in the pages of Scripture must not miss him. He's come to be seen. If you have ears to hear, hear. Once again, we talked about this word picture and we saw it earlier in the chapter. It may sound like Jesus is just encouraging them to pay attention, but he's really driving home his main point. That there will be many who hear his words, but never truly hear. They may have ears on the sides of their heads. They may hear the sound of his voice. They may read the words about him, but don't have ears of faith. And this is the plea of Jesus. I have come to be seen. I have come to be heard. Take heed to what you hear. And friends, as we hear this appeal from Jesus that's been running throughout this chapter, we must check our own hearts first. Don't think of anyone else first. This is a question for you and this is a question for me. Are we listening with ears of faith? I know you've heard, but have you heard? Have you listened? Have you seen Jesus for who he really is? And have you genuinely understood your need for him? Do you understand the need for light? Do you recognize your own darkness? 
Jesus has come shining his light. And the question is, have we heard? Have we responded? Are you still responding? Don't forget the four soils. That there were some who for a time were listening. There was a time, there was a plant growing, but then the heat came. Difficulties came and their faith withered. And there may be some, some among us whose faith is not genuine. And over time, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things choke out the word. This entire chapter is a reminder to us to watch our hearts, to ensure that our faith is in Christ and in him alone. It's also a reminder of how many people hear but never hear. How many see the light and yet remain in darkness. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, this is a constant burden for me. Not only do I desire for us to take the gospel to those who have never heard, but I long for those who hear to genuinely hear. And I never want to take for granted that we all have true hearts of faith. The parable of the soils reminds us there are time, there are those who for a time will show, indicate signs of faith but not believe. And so, I say with Jesus, I plead with you along with him, if you are hearing this, if you have ears, hear what Jesus is saying. And for those of us who have heard and believed, we must remember that we have been called to shine as lights. Jesus said, I have come not to be hidden, but to be revealed. And that's a reminder of the calling that we've been given. He came and he has shown his light. As he has returned, he has commissioned us to shine as his light. We'll go again now, maybe our third week in a row to Matthew chapter 5. Here, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. So in Mark 4, Jesus is the lamp shining the light. In Matthew 5, he tells us we are the light. So as the light, we should shine. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What we know is that Jesus is the light, but as his people, as those who have been united to him, Jesus says, we are to shine his light. Just as he came to shine, now we are called to shine as his light in the world. He came to be revealed. And what we see as we keep reading is that as those who have seen and heard, we are called to keep listening to pay careful attention to what we've heard. Maybe up to this point you've been thinking, I've heard, I'm a believer. Well, here's where I really want you to recognize this text is for you as well. Look what he says in verse 24. Pay attention to what you hear. He's now said it twice. If you have ears to hear, hear. Now, pay careful attention to what you hear. And it's this ongoing hearing, this ongoing paying attention. It's a call to careful and intent listening. I'll remind you again of the parable of the soils, that there were some who for a time heard or appeared to hear, 
but then fell away. And so this is the ongoing appeal of Jesus. Pay close attention. Hear the gospel. It's a call for us to take great care to how we listen. We don't want to listen with hardened ears. We don't want to listen with distracted ears or shallow ears. We want to have clear ears. Ears that are ready to hear in faith. Ears that will respond. And what we see as we keep reading, and this is beautiful. We're going to see a promise and a warning. The promise is magnificent. That there is a good return for faithful hearing. Verse 24. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's an incredible promise. Jesus is speaking in a proverbial way. He says that the more we listen and the more we hear, the more we will be enabled to hear. Come with Listen, I, I can't see you. I, I want you to hear this with me. The amount we hear will enable us to hear more. He uses this idea of a measure. That the amount we measure out, we will get that much more. It's an interesting picture, and here's the point. The more we hear and believe, the more we embrace the message and the ways of Jesus, the more we will be able to hear and believe. What Jesus is talking about is a means by which we can grow in faith. As we trust him, we will be given the ability to trust him even more. As we obey him, we will be given the ability to obey even more. As we believe the gospel, we will be given the ability to believe any more. Do you hear that, church? I know some of you struggle with doubt. There's some of you who wish you had more confident faith in Christ. Consider what Jesus says. Listen to my words carefully. Pay close attention. The more you hear and the more you heed my words, the more you will be given. Friends, if you look around and you see others who are mature in faith and you wonder how they can be so confident in Christ, how they can walk through trials so much confidence in their faith. If you want that for yourself, it starts here. Be faithful where you are. Be faithful with what you have. Be faithful with the knowledge you've been given. Be obedient with what you know God has called you to. Trust in what you know to be true. And the promise from Jesus in this text is that your faithfulness will be rewarded with greater faith. Similar to the parable of the talents, right? As we use what God has given us, he will entrust us with more. He's speaking of our hearing. Also applies to our sharing. As we're faithful, he will bless our faithfulness. The teaching of Jesus very much echoes what we see in several places in the Proverbs. Let me just give you two examples. Proverbs 9, verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, 
and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You see how, how similar it is? That the measure we're given will be given still more. And here we're told that a wise man, if you give him instruction, he grows wiser. We see something similar in Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. You hear? Incline your heart to understanding. Listen, be attentive. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Do you want to grow in your faith? Hear the word. Pay close attention. Live out what you know you've been called to. What we see in the Proverbs and what we see in the words of Christ is with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and it still more will be added unto you. Think back again to Mark chapter 4, verse 20. Those who are sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. When we hear and we believe, there is fruit. So keep on hearing. Keep on listening. Jesus has revealed himself. He has shown his light. Don't miss him. Be good hearers. If we want to be faithful, if we want to be fruitful, it starts with being good listeners. It begins with hearing the word of God and not just hearing the words, but believing them and obeying them. He goes on in verse 25 to say, For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's the opposite of the Robin Hood principle. Michelle perked up. She didn't think I knew who Robin Hood was. What's the Robin Hood principle? It's the idea of taking from the rich and giving to the poor. But what Jesus says here is different. He says that those who have will be given more. And those who don't have will lose even what they have. What does he mean? Those who hear and are receptive, those who believe, those who follow faithfully, he will grow and increase and mature their faith. And those who don't listen and don't respond in faith, they will lose even what they have. First, we have a promise, and then we have a warning. A warning to those who refuse to hear. It's a hard truth, but the truth that we see throughout the scriptures is this warning that if we hear the gospel and we reject it, if we hear the call of God and we ignore it, there's this ongoing rejection of the truth. We may grow hard in our spirits and may get to a point where we can no longer hear it all. Once again, we know the context, what's already been said about the soils. There's some who hear but don't keep hearing. Their hearts grow hard 
their hearts are distracted. We can also go back to what Jesus said as he was discussing the parables. Once again, these passages go together. Look back at verse 11. Mark 4, verse 11. He says to his disciples, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. See, those who believe, it will be measured to them more. Those who hear, they will hear more. To them has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And they may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. I think what he's telling us in verse 25 helps us understand what he said back in verse 12. For those who hear and believe, the parables will increase their faith and give understanding. But for those who have not believed, there will be an opposite effect. They won't be able to hear and understand the truth. And for them, the parables will serve as a warning. It's a true, a truth we see in Scripture. That a failure to hear and an ongoing refusal to hear will lead to a permanent inability to hear. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 13. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So we see that their hearts have grown dull, their ears can barely hear, their eyes have closed. And he says this in 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What's he saying? We have a privileged position. Jesus has come. His light has been shown. There were those who desired to see, and yet it had not been revealed. But now we're at a place where it's been revealed, and the call is to see and to hear. And don't reject. Don't tune it out, because your hearing may grow dull. There's a danger in refusing to hear, and it is an eternal danger. But there is eternal blessing for those who hear and believe. And not only blessing at the point of salvation, and not only blessing for eternity, but there's a blessing of increased faith and increased confidence in Christ. One pastor said it this way, the longer you walk with Jesus, the better it gets. And the longer you ignore Jesus, the harder it is to ever pay attention to him. Can I say that again? The longer you walk with Jesus, the better it gets. And the longer you ignore Jesus, the harder it is to ever pay attention to him. And church, I hope you hear this, even those of us who are believers and have responded in faith, that as we obey, we are given greater ability to obey. As we hear and believe the word, our faith will be increased. But if we start building walls, we start living in disobedience, it becomes harder to hear him rightly. We're putting ourselves at grave danger. This passage is a call to unbelievers. Maybe you're hearing this, but you've never truly believed. 
Let me give you good news. If you are hearing this and you feel convicted, you can still respond. But let me warn you, if you keep putting it off, if you keep thinking, I, I know what Jesus said, I will do that someday. I will repent someday. Don't miss the warning that if you continue to hear and not respond, you may be moving to a place where your heart is hardened. This passage is a plea from Jesus for us to see him rightly and believe. And for those of us who have already believed, we must keep on hearing, keep responding to the word of God as we come together week in and week out and we hear the word preached, as I hope you open your Bible on a daily basis and read it. Don't be hardened. Keep hearing. Keep paying attention. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He will keep adding to you more as you're faithful. It's a call to us to hear. It's also a call to fulfill the mission that Jesus came and began. He came as a lamp, shining his light into the world, and now he has sent us, he has commissioned us to shine that light. So first we check our own hearts, that we are good and faithful hearers. And then we must be faithful in fulfilling the reason Jesus came. He came as a lamp not to be hidden, he came for his light to be seen, and our calling as his people is to help others see the light of Christ. And as we share, we may have those in our lives who continue to put off faith. You've heard it, haven't you? I believe what you believe. I'm just not where you are. At some point, I will get my life right. At some point, I will clean up my act. May we be warning those around us that a slowness to hear may result in an inability to hear. A slowness to hear may lead to an inability to hear. So this is the appeal of Jesus. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Church, I pray that we would be faithful hearers. And that God would increase our faith, increase our confidence, and increase our fruitfulness as we are faithful. May these things be so.